Hi, thank you for having me. Yes, thank you so much for having me. I'm truly excited to be here. Yes, so I would like to start by saying I'm a mother, a grandmother, a sister. I'm a friend to many people. I'm an empowerment coach, a trauma competent professional. I'm a domestic violence advocate, an author, and an entrepreneur. Those are the those are the attributes of Lady Michelle. But one of the things that I would like to say is during the pandemic, this is something professionally, is during the pandemic, when abuse was at an alarming rate, I was able to start a domestic violence support group called HOPE. And that stands for helping others persevere every day. And I was able to start a domestic violence empowerment magazine called Unbreakable. And so these two accomplishments um, really mean the world to me because while the world was shutting down to say stay to stay safe at home, men, women, and children were trapped in the home with their abusers. And so, you know, it was very important to me to be able to give them this information, resources, and some ray of hope during that time. (laughs) (laughs) So my story is full of abuse, uh, really from my conception and to, you know, just a few years ago, and there was so much child abuse around me because of being in a domestic violence home. There was some pain and abuse, you know, from physical, verbal, emotional, sexual abuse throughout my entire childhood. And there was even a murder-suicide attempt on my life at the hands of my father who was a police officer. And because of the constant, you know, drag out fights and things that my parents were going through, my mother would often take out her frustrations on me. And so because I look like my dad, who she totally despised, I went through a lot of abuse with her. So at first, I will tell you that I learned how to wear different masks throughout my years of DV and how to cover up the hurt and the low self-esteem. I lacked love, I lacked affirmations, validations. So I learned how to accept the deception of affection from all the wrong people. But the best impact that I would have to say I discovered was the high impact and the most satisfying feeling of therapy 
even though we survived domestic violence, you're really just going through the motions if you don't get help from a domestic violence support group or therapist. So, so I started out with the intentions of being a voice for the voiceless, but I first had to find my voice. And that was finding my voice of confidence, self-worth, self-love, authenticity, and healthy boundaries. Thank you. Yes. The the interesting part was my mom, my dad did not live in the home with us, but they fought a lot with each other. And my mother, being the great provider that she was, I always tell everyone I do not uh, bash my mom at all. She did what she knew how to do. She only knew how to uh, raise the child the way she thought possible. And so because she comes from a long line of abuse, see, we have to go back in time and realize that this is a vicious cycle and because she dealt with abuse she did not know how to nurture me she was not nurtured she didn't know how to nurture me and so that cycle goes on and on and on until we get to a place where we learn how to say it stops here i'm going to get the help that i need and i'm not going to let this go on for another generation and so that's what happened Mm hmm. Yeah, it's an unfortunate thing. And um, when they say hurt people hurt people, it's really it's really hurt and unhealed people who hurt people. Um, the three of us, we've gone through domestic abuse. And so we were hurt at one point in our lives. But when we get the healing that we're supposed to get, we don't continue to hurt other people. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yes. No. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so it's a little story behind 
uh, how I started it. And uh, for years, I, I was sitting in church and you know how you see people, you know, they're getting called to the ministry, evangelists and preachers and all of those things. And I never felt those uh, type of callings, but I would often ask God, you know, what was my purpose? What am, what am I called to do? I don't know what I'm supposed to do. So I thought it was um, administrative because that's something that I do. I've been doing that for years. I'm an administrative assistant. So I, I started doing that in the church. Well, what happened was it was so much more to me than just that. That was the part to start. <laughs> and my pastor, I went to a retreat one time and my pastor, um, she was my assistant pastor back then, but she uh, prophesied to me. And then every other preacher who came to the retreat started prophesying and they started saying, you know, there are women waiting for you. They need to hear your story. They need to, they need your help. And I'm thinking, uh-uh, I'm not telling anybody my stories. These are things that happened to me and I'm not sharing this. So they must have missed. Maybe they're thinking about something else. And so, um, you know, because when you go through domestic violence, you don't want to tell what happens because you're afraid of being victim blamed, victim shamed, you know, ridiculed, all of those different things. But I could not shake this feeling. I, I knew it was something else to me. And so uh, every time I would be around women, I, I could tell when they had some type of trauma, like God had really given me this discernment and I could really tell, I could see it. I could, you know, go a little deeper than when they went to the altar and someone said, oh, I'm praying for you, a new house and a new car and things like that, a new job. And I was like, no, it's something else that she's going through. So anyway, I would talk to these women and, and, and they begin to feel safe around me. They begin to feel like they could talk to me uh, because I never judged them and, and, and our conversations always remain confidential, right? And so um, over time, I started to realize, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. I'm supposed to start this organization for victims and survivors of domestic violence. And so it needed to be called Heal and Rebuild because it was about healing from the inside out, rebuilding your life, and then becoming a thriver to have an unbreakable spirit because the abuser always tries to break your spirit, right? So that's how it came to me. And so it was it was birth to recognize so the individuals could really recognize and understand what abuse was. They could regain their voice. They could have a safe space that was mixed. This is important. It was mixed with empathy, encouragement, and patience that was needed to take that journey through their healing. So that's how we got started. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yes. Thank 
Thank you. Yes, and it was important to me to um, make sure that it was a, a, a place that didn't have the gloom and doom. Like I wanted to make sure, and we'll talk a little bit about it later on, but I wanted to make sure that they understood that when you come here, you may walk in here as a victim, but we're going to take you to a whole nother level because we don't. We, we want to give you hope. We want to let you know that this is nothing that you did to deserve to feel like this or be, be in this situation and that we were going to make sure that we got them to a new level in their life. I was talking about this the other day. This is a, a, a quick observation that I made, and this is what helps to motivate me. Um, usually around this time of the year, um, but it's not limited to this time of the year, but it's usually big around here. Um, we know that October is domestic violence. So we're in this month, right? And so that brings awareness to not only domestic violence, but um, October brings breast cancer awareness, lupus awareness, and some other um, ones that um, I really can't think of right now, but it's a whole bunch of them. And I often hear uh, the survivors of these different situations they receive praise and honor for being a survivor, right? You know, you, if you're a breast cancer survivor, you people, you know, they rally behind you. They and and it's amazing because these women are great women. They are survivors for real, right? And I don't take anything. I, I'll never take anything away from any of those people who have survived. But domestic violence victims, we get shamed. We get blamed. We get accused of being stupid. Why didn't she leave? Ridiculed. Why does she stay? Why this? Why that? Why? We get that, right? And that's what motivates me to want to teach the community, friends, family members, churches. Um, we got to teach them a new way of thinking, right? We have to change the narrative of how we review or how we view rather victims of domestic violence. Because just like the victim of breast cancer didn't ask for that, neither did the victim of domestic violence. She didn't ask for it. And so we just got to change that narrative. And so that's what motivates me to continue to go and do this. Mhm. Yes. It's it's a lot of work to do, but I'm here for it. It really does. <laughs> and then some. I think it tries to add on a few days <laughs> into the year. <laughs> well, I, I'm an only child, right? But I do have a baby sister. My father had another uh, child, and she's 10 years younger than me. And this was... This was kind of funny a little bit if you think about it, but 
she and I, we saw him in two different ways, right? We were raised by him in two different ways. And so um, when I first came out with this and started to do this type of work and my story and everything, and I was kind of nervous because she was sitting in the audience and she was getting a little upset because I was talking about my dad in a bad way because he played a part in the abuse by the neglect that he did, right? So, um, which really, you know, was major in my life. And so she didn't know him like that. But we begin to have conversations about it. And when I tell you, she is my biggest supporter on this journey. She is. She got my back 1,000%. And she tells me, tell your story. Tell it the way it happened for you because that's going to help somebody. And so I love that. And then the second half of that question, I would have to say, you know, we have a, 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 a old saying, it takes a village to raise a child, right? Well, I didn't have that village because during my childhood, it was a lot of abuse going on. And I didn't have that village. But when I began to get on this journey, and because when you know it's God that puts you on this, this journey, you know that God says, start this organization, help these people, do what I tell you to do, go the way I tell you to go. He has sent me some of the most amazing tribe of women and men. It's men in this tribe too, that pray for me. They support me. They mentor me, coach me. They love me through this process. It is something that I had never felt before in my life. I never felt a tribe of people like this. And so I'm very thankful for this. (laughs) he will do it (laughs) I have a lot of things Um, one of the things that I, I have to say is again when I started this about six years ago it was it was scary um but I knew that I had to do it. And I knew that, um, first of all, going through the healing process was going to be ugly. Uh, I don't know why people people think that it's cute, that you're going to, oh, it's, it's nothing. You're going to, you know, just go through a little something. But it gets dirty and gritty, right? So I knew that that was going to happen. But by doing it, I really learned how to, as I stated before, I really learned how to find my voice. I used to be the person that was had the imposter syndrome. I didn't believe that I belonged in the room. I didn't believe that even when I started this and people would say, oh, you did a great job. Oh, your presentation was great. Thank you for doing this. And I would say, well, who are they listening to? Because I only hear the teacher from Charlie Brown. Remember that? Wah, 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 wah. That's what I would hear that I thought I sounded like, right? So I still had this imposter syndrome, but I learned how to be more confident. I learned how to be my authentic self and an unapologetic self. I learned how to establish those healthy boundaries that really caused me to get into a lot of problems with, because before, when I didn't have those healthy boundaries, I would just let people do anything or say anything, or, you know, I would come home and, 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 express my anger in the house, but I would never express to them that my no really meant no. 
I would never be okay with telling someone that I don't like the way that you made me feel. And so starting Healing Rebuild Unbreakable Spirit, that helped me to learn how to manage my self-care. It helped me to learn how to, to, like I said, find my voice so that I can then help others. Mm-hmm. Yes, and I'm so glad you said toxic relationships because I don't think that people, uh, uh, when they hear domestic violence, right, they automatically think about, uh, you know, physical abuse, right? And then they may put a little bit of emotional or verbal abuse in there, right? But they don't really think about the fact of toxic relationships and how that can go, that can be siblings, your family members can be toxic. Your friendships can be toxic. Your workplace abuse your workers can be toxic. Your employer can be toxic. We have to still understand that domestic violence and family violence and all of those things that fall under that umbrella, toxicity is one of the major things that falls under that umbrella. And so we have to uh, stay away from toxic relationships as well, because it can, that abuse can go spiritual abuse, workplace abuse, educational abuse. It's really a lot of different things. And so we just get pigeonholed into that one little part of domestic abuse and we stay right there, but it's so much more. <laughs> hmm hmm Yes, absolutely. One of my, I've had some huge abusers in the work world. (laughs) And so now God has really opened up a door because again, when you're walking in this space where you're learning self-care, you're learning boundaries and things like that. Now I'm in a place on my job where they see the work that I'm doing on the outside. It actually got back to my employer and they welcome the work that I do. They even allowed me to start a domestic violence group at the job, a support group. And so when I have about 15 members on my team, everybody wanted to work with me. People are saying, you know, thank you for bringing up this uh, topic. You know, this is something we need. This is 
a thing that we need in the workplace. But if you keep quiet, look how many people miss out on getting the information. And so before I dealt with workplace and uh, abuse, but now it's I'm having a good time at work. I'm I'm able to do the thing that I love to do most, which is bring awareness to domestic violence. Yes. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Great. That was great to bring that up. Yes. Thank you. That's a really good question. And my answer remains the same. I'm asked that question a lot. I've forgiven them wholeheartedly. It as we know, the first two people to ever abuse me were my parents. And they both have gone on to be with the Lord. And so I had to forgive them from the grave. They never said, I'm sorry, because they didn't think they did anything wrong. Remember, this is a time when parents are just raising you. They don't think that they're doing anything wrong and they're not going to say sorry. And, you know, we didn't talk about abuse. Uh, back then. So I had to forgive them from the grave, which I've been able to do on my healing journey. And everybody else who did something to me in whatever way they did it, that includes my ex-husband, my friends, family, loved ones, associates, anyone who is in that list, I've forgiven them all too. And the reason why I've forgiven them is because I don't give anybody that type of power and control over me anymore. You don't get to you don't get to have that. I'm forgiving you. You we go on, we move on and all is well. And if I didn't forgive them, then I couldn't be authentic to the individuals that I service.
that's great. I, I, I love that. And I, I, you made me think of something. My ex-husband, when he went through his 12-step program, he, of course, had to come and apologize to me, right? But I wasn't in a space where I could receive it. I actually didn't receive it. And so years later, and it took years, I had to go back. God told me, go back and accept this apology before you can do this ministry. Because this right here, what I do, domestic violence, this is not just an organization, a nonprofit organization. This is ministry. And so before I could do that, I had to go back and I had to forgive him. And when I did that, he then, by that time, he was in another zone, and he then tried to take control of the conversation and try to really um, be abusive again. And I did exactly what the Lord told me to do. I accept your apology, and I forgive you, and I hung up the phone and immediately just went on with what I do. And it was great for me. That When they say forgiveness is not just for them, it's for you, that's for real. I felt free because, again, I took back my power and control. So, um, you know, I'm glad that you brought that up because it is important for that other person when they have to um, ask you for forgiveness. But sometimes you may not be in that zone, but you have to get there. Well, one of the things that uh, when I started this journey, of course, um, the scripture that stood out to me was Jeremiah 1 and 5, which, of course, reads, Before I formed thee in the belly, I knew thee, and before thou cometh forth out of the womb, I sanctified thee, and I ordained thee a prophet to the nations. And that was um, important to me because, again, my abuse started in my mother's womb. And so... Um, it just, but he already knew. He already knew what was going to be going on, what I was going to experience, and why. And that heal and rebuild would come out of all of that. And the story is still not even finished being told, right? So that stood out to me. And so one of the, um, and also one of the best things that I want to say is the tool to use is therapy. I'm going to keep saying therapy but not just any therapist. Make sure that it's a, a therapist who specializes in trauma and domestic violence. I often hear people say, oh, I, I don't like therapy. You know, they didn't do right by me, this, that, and other. You can't just go to anybody. We've been through something different. We've been through trauma, and that is handled differently. And so even if you go through trauma training, right, to learn more about it, to become trauma-informed, this helped me the most because then I was able to put a name and a reason behind the trauma that I suffered, you know, throughout my abuse. I was able to, you know, say, oh, that's why that happened, and that's why this happened, and oh, that's the name of that, because back then they weren't talking about it, so we just went through the motions, right? So that's what I would say. Mm-hmm. Let me tell you, my therapist is 
forever the greatest. <laughs> she is, when I tell you, she knew she was a prayer woman, she was a Christian, and she was a trauma-informed therapist, and she knew how to take me back and how to handle the situation that I went through with my mother. How, when I didn't receive affirmations and validations and things of those nature, which people try to act like they don't need, but first of all, when we're children and we're growing up, there are stages of life that we go through. And so something as simple as when you're a child and you draw, you color and you color outside the line, but your mom, right, says, oh, baby, that's the best picture I ever had and hangs it up on the refrigerator. And as you continue to grow, you're going to learn how to color in that line. But you're going to always remember that that person made you feel good when you didn't really quite have it right, you know? And so I didn't receive those affirmations and those validations and things like that, but I continued to grow because life cycle, you grow. You go from, you know, baby to toddler to uh, elementary school and high school and all those things, right? Because you continue to go through the cycle of life, but you're stuck back in that time where the trauma has happened. And so even though you're 40, 50, 60 years old, you may be still stuck at a six-year-old or a seven-year-old because that you never dealt with that child. And so this particular therapy, a therapist was able to do that and to help me to go back in time and, and really deal with those issues. And so that's why I say you need a trauma-informed domestic violence um, a therapist to really help you through that process. <laughs> Yeah, okay. I would like to share a few things, just something really quickly, but um, a victim is a person who is harmed, injured, or killed as a result of a crime, accident, or other event or action, right? A survivor is a person who survives, especially a person remaining alive after an event in which others have died, but a thriver is someone who has achieved and moved beyond mere survival into something greater. And so if if you don't remember anything else that I said today, I want people to remember, you are no longer a victim. You are more than a survivor. You are a thriver. Yes. So then, of course, the name of our organization is Heal and Rebuild Unbreakable Spirit Incorporated. We are a 501c3 nonprofit organization, and our website is healandrebuild.com. We can be found on so all social media platforms, uh, Facebook, Instagram, LinkedIn, under Heal and Rebuild. And under Twitter, we are located at uh, Lady Michelle Speaks.
thank you. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you for this platform where you are educating people, bringing awareness of all different topics. Uh, it's so needed, especially during this time that we have where we're all in this uh, pandemic. And so I praise God for you all and for the work that you're doing. Thank you.